Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Basically, I choose a topic that I want to learn about each week. I kind of research and put together a little report for myself, and then I report back to you on what I learned so we can all learn together. So last year, I did this state series where I would go through the history of each state uh, every Thursday. Now I only release once a week on Monday, so I'm just kind of sprinkling in the remaining uh, states. So we were on the 35th state to join the union, which is West Virginia. Very, very fascinating state history that I had no idea about. A lot of like coal mines and union uh, efforts to unionize and and all of these clashes happened because of that. So very interesting state history. We'll go over all the geography and just basic facts about West Virginia, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So let's get started. Alright, so before we get into the historical timeline, which is kind of an interesting thing in and of itself, basically West Virginia split from Virginia, and so up until the split, the history is exactly the same from Virginia as West Virginia. So I only did the timeline from the split on, which is 1863 on. Um, if you want to hear the more early history of West Virginia, I would suggest going to my Virginia podcast because that has, they're basically shared history until the split. So, um, okay. So the capital, let's go over the basic facts of West Virginia. The capital is Charleston, West Virginia. It became a state June 20th, 1863, which if you notice is right smack dab in the middle of the civil war. So very contentious time, but a couple states were actually made during the Civil War. I think just two, but West Virginia is one of those. Now, it's named West Virginia, and it was kind of a battle over the names because originally when West Virginia was going to split from Virginia, it was going to be called Kanawha, which honored a Native American tribe. But the you know state officials and things like that wanted to keep the roots of it originally being part of Virginia and wanted Virginia to still be part of the name. So they just named it West Virginia. Definitely not as creative as Kanawha, but, you know, it ended up being West Virginia. West Virginia is called the Mountain State because it's the only state completely within the Appalachian Mountain region. Uh, And its average elevation is higher than any other state east of the Mississippi River. Now, most of these naming things and geography I got from Kids National Geographic. They have great resources on there, so I will link these below. The state motto is Montani Semper Liberi. I'm pretty sure that's Latin, and it translates to mountaineers are always free. Again, kind of pointing to the fact that there are, that this is fully within the Appalachian Mountain region. The population is 1.83 million, and uh, let's talk a little bit about the geography here. So this is that some people think that the state 
that West Virginia itself looks like a leaping frog, which I was confused by until I really looked at the map. Like, I don't think I've ever actually looked. That sounds kind of dumb that I've never looked at West Virginia, but I've, I've never noticed that it looks like a leaping frog until someone pointed it out. It looks like the nose is in the kind of bottom left corner and it's leaping. So it's, it's leaping like Southwest. Um, it is bordered by Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Maryland in the north, Maryland and Virginia in the east, Virginia and Kentucky in the south, and Kentucky and Ohio in the west. So it has like all these kind of non-uniform borders, uh, like some more of the eastern states do. So the western border is created by the Ohio River, and its winding eastern border is created by the Appalachian Mountains. So it is only divided into two geographical regions. Now, this is different from a lot of the states that we've looked at or studied. A lot of the other states have like seven geographical regions, but West Virginia is only one of two. The Appalachian Ridge and Valley region, which includes the Appalachian and Blue Ridge Mountains, that starts in the northeast and runs southwest. It says that this region is known for its parallel ridges that were cut by streams as well as canyons called water gaps. Um, there are forest caves, high peaks around this area, and it includes the state's highest point, which is Spruce Knob. Okay, the other geographical region is the... Al oh, I have had this word. Um, Allegheny Plateau. Hold on. Let me just very quickly do a little copy-paste and see how to pronounce this because I'm pretty sure the other episode that I couldn't pronounce this was um, Virginia. Allegheny. Okay. I think I said that right the first time. So the Allegheny Plateau spreads across the rest of the state. It has mostly flat topped hills and rounded peaks. There are big gorges and a wall of mountains called the Allegheny Front, which separates these two regions. So the Allegheny Front is what separates the Appalachian Ridge, and the Allegheny Plateau. So those are the two geographical regions. Okay, climate, it's pretty, it's much better than I thought climate-wise, honestly. So they get 45 inches of rain each year. The national average is 38 inches. They get 33 inches of snow, which is slightly higher than the national average of 28 inches. Sunny days is where they struggle a little bit. There's only 164 sunny days in a year and the national average is 205 and living in Colorado I literally cannot imagine only 164 sunny days I think I would get sad because that's like less than half of the days of the year are sunny and I just that would probably be tough the winter low is 21 and the summer high is a is 83 so not too many crazy extremes. The humidity peaks around 63%. So again, not terrible. The, July is the most humid month, but 63% um, is better than some states we've seen. And overall, the comfort index is 7.1. So if you're new, basically the comfort index uh, baselines at 7. So 7 is like the average state comfort level. So this is just slightly, very, very slightly better um, than the average state. Okay, it is time to talk about the history and the historical timeline. So 
honestly, it was a real struggle finding good timelines for West Virginia. But what I settled on was taking the ereferencedesk.com timeline. And it was way too detailed. Okay, so there are a lot of coal mine collapses in the, his, in the history of West Virginia. And I'm pretty sure it listed out every single one. There were some things that were so minute that it just did not matter. I added some of the coal mine collapses in here because they were in such quick succession and they maybe kicked off like a whole social movement. But when I got to the 80th one, I was like, I don't need to list this anymore. Just as an overall note, pretty much most of the years, it sounds like there was a some sort of coal mining accident where people died. So just know that that's a history and a backdrop of all of this. But what I did is I took this much too detailed e-reference desk timeline. I copied it over onto my document and I just went and manually took out all of the things that we did not need to know. And I started again at the beginning of the Civil War because that's really the lead into Virginia separating, or sorry, from West Virginia separating from Virginia. So we're going to start the timeline in 1861. Again, I will link the uh, podcast that talks about Virginia so you can get that early history if you would like but we're just going to talk about once West Virginia splits from Virginia so we're starting the timeline in 1861 with the Civil War so West Virginia contributes 32,000 soldiers to the Union Army and about 10,000 to the Confederate uh, the first Land battle of the Civil War happens at the Battle of Philippi, or Philippi. Um, April 17th of 1861, Virginia State Convention votes to secede, conten- votes to secede, contingent on approval by popular vote. So the whole state of Virginia needs to have a majority to secede from the Union. So Virginia was going to be a southern state. May 13th through 15th, the delegates from the 25 counties meet at the first Wheeling Convention, repudiating the secession from the Union. So it did not pass. May 23rd, about, you know, eight days later after that ended, Virginia's ordinance for secession was ratified, but a majority of the western counties voice strong opposition. So this is kind of where the split comes in and why West Virginia was created during the middle of the Civil War, because... The people in the western counties, aka what will be West Virginia, did not want to secede for the most part. They wanted to stay part of the Union. So really the driving force between their split was whether they were going to secede or stay in the Union during the Civil War. In June of that same year, the Second Wheeling Convention uh, started. Counties of Western Virginia refused to secede with Virginia and created the Restored Government of Virginia in Wheeling. On August 6th, the Second Wheeling, uh, Second Wheeling Convention reconvenes, and about two weeks later, the convention adopted a dismemberment ordinance that provided for the formation of a new state to be called Kanawha. So that's where we were talking about in the intro of, you know, how West Virginia was not going to be the original name of this new state. So already in 1861, that is when they realized, like, we are too different. We're not going to agree on seceding or not. So the Wheeling Convention wanted to be a new state. So they did not have to secede. 
October 24th of 1861, a public referendum occurred where voters supported the creation of the new state to be called Kanawha. And then on November 26th, the Second Wheeling Convention reconvenes and changes the name of the new state to West Virginia. They begin to draft their constitution and extend the boundaries of where West Virginia was. So all the logistics of like creating a new state, that's what they started to do at the end of 1861. Okay, 1862... Um, the first public school for black children was created in January of 1862. In April, voters approved the new constitution for West Virginia. So technically West Virginia is not a state yet, but it's on its way. May 13th, the Virginia legislature gave legislature gave formal consent for the for- formation of this new state. And then um William T Willie who was the a US senator he presented a, mem- a memorial to the United States Senate and asked for the formation of the new state requested its admission into the union the senate passed that on July 14th and it says uh senate passes the West Virginia statehood bill changing the slavery provision provision of the West Virginia constitution to allow for the gradual emancipation of slavery December 31st of that year of 1862, Lincoln, who was president at the time, approves the admission into the Union. Uh, It will take effect upon the insertion into the state constitution of a clause that would provide for the gradual emancipation of slaves. So Lincoln only approved it if there would be this clause in their state constitution that would get rid of slavery. So 1863, you know, it takes a while to form a state. At this point, it's been like almost two years or maybe I guess a year and a half, maybe Um, Lincoln issued the proclamation that West Virginia would be a new state. It would go into effect 60 days later. So on June 20th, West Virginia was admitted to the union as the 35th state. July 15th, there was an act passed that gave blacks the same rights to a criminal trial as whites, but they couldn't serve on the jury still, but they, would have a criminal trial. Which doesn't really help, honestly. I mean, it, I guess it helps some, but, like, think about in in that time, if you're, like, a, a black person and you're going to trial, but it's only white people allowed to be on the jury, and it's so divided, like, that seems like it barely helps, like, you'll probably be ruled against. I don't know. Um, but it, I guess it's a step in in the right direction. Um, 1865, the first free public school opens in Charleston. And then February 3rd, the governor approves an act that abolishes slavery and provides for the emancipation of all slaves. So, you know, it was going to be, I guess, a gradual um, emancipation of slaves when they first were joining as a state. But 1865, they said, okay, we're abolishing it completely and all slaves are free. April 9th of that year, so only couple months later, the Civil War ends. 1866, the state constitution denies citizenship and suffrage to all persons who had supported the Confederacy. So I think some states went about this differently. Like some states only punished the people who were in leadership uh, in the Confederacy. But West Virginia took a much more strict approach on it. And you couldn't be a citizen of... You know, you couldn't be a 
I guess a citizen of West Virginia. Um, for anyone who helped in the Confederacy. Okay, 1867, the legislature ratifies the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. I'm pretty sure that one... Now, let me just check myself here. Okay, this one is, No state shall make or enforce any law that which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. So... I think this was a big deal because of the, it included formerly enslaved people as, you know, they got protection as a citizen. So that was ratified in 1867. In 1868, the Agricultural College of West Virginia was renamed West Virginia, West Virginia University. So if you know of WVU, um, that used to be the Agricultural College of West Virginia. 1869, Charleston was named the seat of government, and then West Virginia State Senate also ratifies the 15th Amendment of the Constitution. Now, again, let me check what that one is. Okay, this is what I thought the 14th Amendment was, but it's actually the 15th. The 15th Amendment granted African-American men the right to vote. So, that was ratified um, in 1869. Now, 1870, Charleston was incorporated, and there were about 450,000 people that were living in West Virginia at the time. So on April 1st, after Charleston was incorporated, the state capital moved from Wheeling to Charleston. 1871, there was something called the Flick Amendment to the state constitution, which granted suffrage to all male citizens, regardless of race. This was still before women's suffrage, but now all males could vote. Also on April 27th of 1871, citizenship was restored to all persons stripped of their voting privileges in 1866. Now, that was because of the, you know, aiding in the Confederacy. So it took about five years for them to come around, but eventually they did let people who aided in the Confederacy back in and let them vote. And let them have citizenship. Okay, so then in 1873, the governor approved an act that allowed only white males over the age of 21 to serve on juries. I don't really understand how this is different than what had happened before because it was already not allowed for any African Americans or anything to serve on juries. So I'm wondering if this just solidified the rules that it could only be white males and not just that like black men can serve on juries. I'm not exactly sure. Either way, juries were reserved for white males over 21. Uh, June 11th, Charleston Mayor Snyder and the city council appoint Ernest Porterfield as a police officer, and he was the first black man to receive a public job in Kanawha County. I guess first like African-American person in general to receive a public job in that county. In 1875, the state capital moved back to Wheeling. You'll notice this a few times, that the capital keeps moving. Um, in 1877, Governor Matthews sends the state militia to Martinsburg, where the B&O railroad workers are interfering with train movements to no avail. Federal troops are dispatched to break the first national labor strike that also included Maryland, 
Missouri, Pennsylvania, and New York. So this is the big first national labor strike that happens is 1877. We will see many of those throughout the state history um, of West Virginia. On August 7th of 1877, there was a public referendum on the permanent site of the Capitol. They had three choices to choose from, Charleston, Clarksburg, or Martinsburg were their three options. In 1879, the first oil pipeline was completed. It ran from Volcano to Parkersburg, so we're starting to get some infrastructure here. The telephone line was installed in Wheeling between uh, two grocery stores, so that was... It's kind of fascinating, like, what they chose to connect first for telephone lines. But um, basically by, you know, eight, late 1800s, we're starting to get a lot of infrastructure here. In October, there was the Taylor-Strouder decision where the U.S. Supreme Court found that the West Virginia law forbidding blacks to, from serving on juries was unconstitutional. So they were now allowed to serve on juries. 1880 was the first major coal strike. Uh, Governor Matthews sent militia to Hawk's Nest to try to quell that a little bit. And in 1881, the governor approves a bill allowing all eligible voting citizens, including blacks, to be jurors. So I guess it took a little bit of time before the, you know, the Taylor-Strouder decision was found to be unconstitutional. The, the law forbidding blacks to serve on juries was unconstitutional, and it took a little bit for them to actually, you know, approve a new bill that allowed blacks to be jurors. 1800s, there were many different phone lines and exchanges installed. Again, this timeline was very, very detailed, so it went through, like, all of them and said where they were connected to and all this stuff. I didn't think that was necessary, so I just said many phone lines and exchanges are installed during the 1800s. Uh, 1885, Charleston finally becomes the permanent state capital, and the National Gas Company of West Virginia is established. 1889, the faculty of West Virginia, uh, West Virginia University, votes to allow the admission of women. In 1890, the United Mine Workers of America is formed. This is going to be uh, important, the United Mine Workers of America. So if you hear the, the acronym UMWA, that is what that is. That, that's what the organization is. And there are many conflicts with the union. So that will be important later. 1891, the state legislature passed an act establishing the West Virginia Colored Institute, um, which later became known as the West Virginia State College. Then the Bluefield, Bluefield Colored Institute, which was later the Bluefield State College, was founded or established in 1895. The first Republican governor since the Reconstruction period, George W. Atkinson, was elected governor in 1896. So... Again, Reconstruction started in 1865 because the Civil War was over. And, you know, it took 30 years to get another Republican governor elected. Uh, voters elected the first African-American to the legislature that same year. His name was Christopher Payne of Fayette County. And then rural free mail, well, I guess rural free mail, <laughs> Uh, delivery begins in Charlestown, which was the first in the United States 
uh, that started October 6th of 1896 in West Virginia. 1897, a public hanging at Ripley takes place, which prompted the legislature to turn over the responsibility for executions to the state government. John Morgan was the last public hanging in West Virginia. That's not that far. That doesn't seem that long ago. Like they were still doing public hangings almost like right up until 1900. That's in 1897. And that just seems really late for public hangings, but maybe my timeline of that is kind of warped, but I thought they stopped earlier than that. Um, 1898, the Spanish-American War happens, and West Virginia furnished two regiments of volunteer infantry to go fight in that war. Uh, And then the first state-sponsored execution in West Virginia takes place in 1899 at the state penitentiary. So, okay. In 1902, Mother Jones campaigns to unionize 7,000 miners in Kanawha County. Now, this Mother Jones was very, very important in the union um, kind of scene. She was sent to unionize basically all of the labor in West Virginia. Now, let me click on one of her links here. This is from Wikipedia. Again, sometimes not a reliable source, but It'll just give a little synopsis here. So it says, Mary G. Harris Jones, known as Mother Jones, from nineteen from 1897 onwards, was an Irish-born American labor organizer, former school teacher and dressmaker who became a prominent union organizer, community organizer, and activist. She helped coordinate major strikes, secure bans on child labor, and co-founded the Industrial Workers of the World. After Jones's husband and four children all died of yellow fever in 1867, Her dress shop was destroyed in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. She became an organizer for the Knights of Labor and the Union Mine Workers Union. In 1902, she was called the most dangerous woman in America for her success in organizing mine workers and their families against mine owners. In 1903, to protest the lax enforcement of the child labor laws in Pennsylvania, uh, in Pennsylvania mines and silk mills, she organized a children's march from Philadelphia to the home of President Theodore Roosevelt in new york so she was very very um influential in union organization and stuff like that now i always get a i always have like a somewhat negative view of unions in my mind but at this time i do think that unions were very much needed like again they had child labor laws that were not enforced at all and so i think she is inherently very, very good, had a great cause. If you saw how many mine collapses there were on this timeline, which I'll link below and I encourage you to go like actually look at the detailed timeline because it there are a crazy number of people killed in the mines. Um, I do think the work that she was doing was very important. Today, I feel like unions, and maybe this is just going off on a tangent, but Today, I have a bad opinion of most unions. I think maybe they do some some good things, but for the most part, I just think that they've outworn their their purpose. But this was like really when unions were useful back in this time. Okay, 1906. This is one of the times when I put like all of the all of the coal mine uh, accidents. 
because it had just happened in crazy quick succession. So in 1906, on January 4th, 22 people are killed. I'm not going to say the actual mine. Well, I guess I could. Uh, 22 are killed at Coaldale Mine. January 18th, 18 are killed at the Detroit Mine. February 8th, 23 are killed at Peril Mine. 20, or March 22nd, 23 are killed at Century Mine. Then we get into 1907. January 29th, 84 are killed at Stewart Mine. February 4th, 25 are killed at Thomas Mine. Tw December 6th, 362 are killed at Monongah Mine, which is the worst mining disaster in U.S. history. So these are the types of things that the union was like, okay, our conditions are not safe and, you know, we cannot keep working in these conditions, essentially. Uh, 1912, state of prohibition becomes effective. 1913, this is where Mary Harris, or Mother Jones, leads a protest of conditions in the West Virginia mines and was arrested. And then there was a newly elected governor, Governor Hatfield, who about three months after her arrest, released her from jail. In 1915, there was a Supreme Court ruling that said that West Virginia owed Virginia more than $12 million as part of the state debt at the time of separation. And then 1916, in November, West Virginia amendment allowed for suffrage of women. Or sorry, they tried to pass an amendment that allowed for the suffrage of women, but it was rejected by voters. All right, 1917 is when the U.S. enters World War I. The West Virginia Selective Service registrants, uh, wait, West Virginia Selective Service registers 325,000. Over 45,000 uh, see active service and 624 West Virginians are killed in action during the war. In 1919, there's a nationwide coal strike and between 1920 and 1921, coal wars occurred. So like all these conflicts happened between, you know, the mine owners and leaders and the miners. So the coal wars, they call them, broke out in an effort to unionize West Virginia coal miners. Okay, 1920, the UMWA, which is the... Let me scroll back up to what that... United Mine Workers of America. So the UMWA membership booms in Mingo County following the uh, Matawan Massacre. So on May 19th, Matawan Chief of Police Sid Hatfield attempts to arrest detectives hired by coal operators to evict families of fired union miners from company housing. Ten people died, including Matawan uh, Mayor Cable C. Testerman. The Matawan Massacre makes Sid Hatfield a folk hero to miners throughout the state and a national celebrity. So again, this is one of the bigger conflicts where 10 people died over, you know, these union issues. Governor Cornwell requests federal troops to guard the mines of south of southern West Virginia. Then there's rioting in Williamson uh, because they attempted to import strike breakers into the area. So that broke out in riots. And then because of all the riots, the gov uh, Governor Cornwell proclaimed martial law in Mingo County. So things are not going that well in an effort to unionize here. 
Uh, West Virginia miners in 1921 fight with mine guards, police, and federal troops in a dispute over organizing unions. The state capital, I'm pretty sure unrelated, was destroyed um, by a fire in Charleston. So that's just another unfortunate thing on top of all of this chaos. Okay, then on May 12th, there was something called the Three Days Battle that began, well, it began on May 12th. And it happened along both shores of the Tug River. And basically what happened is strikers, miners who were on strike, started sniping the state police, deputies, and coal company officials. So things are getting extremely violent. May 19th, Governor Morgan proclaims martial law in Mingo County. And June 14th, Davis and Brockus lead state police and vigilantes in a raid on the Lick Creek tent colony in retaliation for further sniping incidents. So 47 strikers are arrested in this incident, but basically it's like the strikers attack police and the police come and they like retaliate. So, or I guess punish. I mean, I don't know. It's, they said retaliation. So I'm assuming they went above their, just the standard like police punishment for, for that, whatever. But, um, Lots of back and forth between police and strikers. July 1st, West Virginia becomes the first state to have a sales tax. July 14th, the U.S. Senate Committee on Education and Labor begins a three-month investigation of the crises in West Virginia's coal mining industry. So at this point, it's like at a national... There, It's getting national attention how much of a disaster this really is. You know, people are dying... There's all these conflicts, and so the U.S. Senate was like, we need to investigate what's going on here. The Madawan Chief of Police, Sid Hatfield, who we mentioned before, was shot and killed on the steps of the McDowell County Courthouse on August 1st of that same year. We're still in 1921. This is all happening in 1921. Uh, six days later, a thousand miners uh, present Governor Morgan with a resolution which called for an end of martial law in Mingo County. Governor Morgan asked President Harding for federal federal troops and military aircraft. The, there's a Battle of Blair Mountain. It ends in a ceasefire. And then uh, September 4th, the 10th U.S. Infantry march up Hewitt Creek in Logan County and efforts to unionize the southern West Virginia coal fields ended. So... All of this was to unionize, um, but yeah, just a lot of conflict. Even so far, this is only to 1921 in West Virginia. So martial law was rescinded uh, in September of the next year. So it lasted quite a long time, uh, but in 1922, martial law was rescinded. A strike begins against the coal operators in the north and lasted for three years, starting in 1924. 1925, in late March, black leaders protested and prohibited the showing of D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation. Scheduled to open at the Rialto Theater in Charleston on April 1st on the grounds that it violated a 1919 state law prohibiting any entertainment which demeaned another race. Interesting law, but they were saying that 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 Birth of a Nation uh, violated that. 1928, Minnie Buckingham Harper was appointed to the House of Delegates, becoming the first African-American woman to serve serve in a legislative body in the United States. 
The state flag was adopted in 1929. Uh, 1931, two blacks accused of killing two white constables in Greenbrier County are lynched. So, still a lot of racial issues and injustices that are happening up until 1931. So, they were lynched. The new state capital was dedicated in 1933. The state prohibition law was finally repealed in 1934, and the first of more than 150 New Deal homestead communities were established in Arthursdale, Preston County, by the Roosevelt administration. So, this is interesting because I, well, I don't know, I guess every state went through the Great Depression, so it would probably be crossing into my timelines at some point. But last week's episode was the episode on Great Depression. So we talked about the New Deal and stuff like that. So part of this New Deal was these 150 new homestead communities that were established in West Virginia. 1939, West Virginia is finally debt-free to Virginia. It makes its final payment of debt. 1941, the U.S. enters World War II. So the first synthetic rubber plant opens near Charleston. Um, The first German and Hungarian diplomats arrive at Greenbrier. And so the Greenbrier was like a uh, penitentiary, prison, essentially. And during the war, 1,700 people from foreign countries were imprisoned at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. 1947, the state's coal production reached 173.7 million tons, which was more than any other previous year. At this point, 167,000 miners were employed. So much of West Virginia history, again, is centered around these coal mines. Elizabeth Simpson Drury of McDowell County served uh, until 1964, but she became the first black woman elected to the House of Delegates in 1850. So she had a 14-year length of service there. 1951, Elizabeth Key of Bluefield was elected to complete the unexpired term of her husband, Representative John Key, and became the first woman in in West Virginia history to serve in Congress. The turnpike was completed in 1954, so some more infrastructure news there. Uh, voters approved jury service for women in 1956. That is mind-boggling to me that it took that long for women to be able to serve on a jury. I say that like it's a great thing. I don't know. People complain about jury service all the time. It is good that we get to serve on a jury. It's definitely part of the justice system. But um, 1956 seems so late to me. 1957, George Howard Mitchell appointed the first black assistant attorney general, and then JFK defeats Hubert Humphrey in West Virginia in 1960. I believe that was for governor. Uh, Yeah. Okay. 1961, the Public Employees Retirement System, the Department of Natural Resources, the Air Pollution Commission, sorry, the Air Pollution Control Commission, the Human Rights Commission, and Industrial Development Authority, and Department of Commerce were all created. So, lots of these kind of commissions to hopefully have better quality of life were created in 1961. 
Uh, let's see. State colors were adopted. State songs. We'll get into those a little bit later. Capital punishment was abolished in 1965. Tony Boyle was reelected as the president of the UMWA. 22 days later, his challenger, Jock Yablonski, and his wife and daughter were murdered. Okay. This is like the craziness of the union stuff and the union conflict that all surrounded this is like things were so violent for so long that yeah, his competitor's wife and daughter and, and his competitor were all murdered. The coal mine health and safety act was signed by Nixon at the very end of 1969. Okay. Governor Arch Moore in 1971 negotiated the end of a 44 day national coal strike. Arnold Miller, the next year in 1972, became the first actual native West Virginian to head the UMW, or yeah, the United Mine Workers Union, UMWA. He appointed Levi Daniel, the president of the District 29 in Southern West Virginia, who was the first African-American district president in the history of the UMW. Okay, uh, let's see... There was a textbook, like, issue here. So, in Kanawha County in 1974, the school board voted to remove controversial textbooks, and the students at George Washington High School in Charleston walked out in protest. And then coal miners staged a wildcat strike in support of the textbooks, in support of the textbook critics, crusading against what they considered to be unpatriotic and immoral textbooks. So I don't really understand how it, I guess because so much of everything was controlled by miners and the mining industry, but like some school issue became a coal miners cause, which is an interesting crossover that we've seen. Uh, there was a major resurgence in the state's coal industry in 1975, uh, 1980, Governor John D. Rockefeller defeats Arch A. Moore. There was a 72-day strike that the miners returned uh, returned to work after the 72-day strike on June 8th of 1981. John D. Rockefeller, who was governor at the time, imposes major cutbacks in state spending. Let's see. Arch Moore wins a thir his third term as governor because John D. Rockefeller was elected to the U.S. Senate. And... Let's see, 1985, the state lottery was established. 1996 was the, the first woman was to be... Oh my gosh, I need to slow down. My words are not happening right now. Uh, the first woman to be nominated by a major party, Charlotte Pritt, wins the Democratic primary election for governor. The first female African-American to serve in the Senate was elected in 1998. Her name was Marie Redd. And in 1999, Homer Hickam, who grew up in the mining town of Colwood in McDowell County and retired, from, uh, and retired from NASA as a payload training manager for the ISS, became a best-selling author with his book Rocket Boys. If you have not seen October Sky, watch October Sky. It is like the best movie ever. And then just an interesting fun fact in 2000, in January of 2000, peace talks between Israel and Syria were held in West Virginia in Shepherdstown. 
Now, nothing else in that timeline in 2000 was positive or good news. It was all like tornadoes and floods. So go read that at your own risk, basically. Okay, let's talk about famous people. I'll just list off some that are born in West Virginia. Steve Harvey, Jennifer Gardner, Brad Paisley, Nick Saban, Homer Hickam, Katherine Johnson, who, uh, it's not called Rocket Girls, I don't think. There's that book about four NASA engineers that helped uh, fly, like, the first shuttle missions. Oh my gosh, what is that called? <sighs> Maybe I'll try to put it in the description, but is it just called Rocket Girls? No, I don't know. Hold on. We're doing some real-time Googling here with one hand as I do this. Okay, yes, Katherine Johnson was a mathematician. Movie. Oh my gosh, there's like, oh, Hidden Figures. Oh my gosh, well, that's the movie. So, yes, okay. She is the, one of the ones that's highlighted in the movie Hidden Figures, which again, you should really go watch. It really makes me want to be an engineer all over again. Like if, I, if I'm ever uninspired about my job, I just watch that movie again. I'm like, okay, this is much better. And then Don Knotts is also from West Virginia. He played Barney Fife on the Andy Griffith show. Okay, that is the famous people. That's about all I recognize on there. So let's talk about some state symbols. Um, the state animal is a black bear. It was selected as West Virginia's official state animal by a poll of students, teachers, and sportsmen um, in 1854 to 1855. It was officially adopted in 1973. The state bird is a cardinal, and it was adopted in 1947. Again, it was from a lot of these are public schools. So I probably won't go through that. Each one was voted on by school-aged kids. Um, but, okay, the state fish is the brook trout that was adopted in 1973. The native fish is perhaps the most sought after trout by anglers as it puts up with ex an excellent fight for its size. Uh, the state tree is the sugar maple. Again, public school students and civic organizations to name the sugar maple as the official state tree. The state flower is the rhododendron, which is so pretty. That was adopted in 1903. State fruit is the golden delicious apple. Um, Anderson Mullins discovered this apple variety in Clay County, West Virginia in 1905. The state insect is the honeybee. It became the, the state insect in 2002. And you know, it just has a very important, like, agricultural role with crops and things. So that's why it was chosen. The state butterfly is the monarch butterfly. The state colors are gold and blue. So it also has three state songs, West Virginia does. Uh, West Virginia, My Home Sweet Home is the first one. The West Virginia Hills and This Is My West Virginia are all the state songs of West Virginia. Okay, the last thing we'll talk about is things to do in West Virginia. Top attractions. So this is from planetware.com. And I'm just going to rapid fire through this list of things to do in West Virginia. The first one is 
Blackwater Falls State Park. A lot of these are, are nature oriented, so they look very, very pretty. Um, the Monongahela National Forest. Some of these names I cannot pronounce, but um, there's a recreation area in there and it's very pretty. The Greenbrier. So the Greenbrier has earned its designation as a National Historic Landmark several times over. Located at White Sulphur Springs, which have been used, which have been in use as a natural spa since the 1700s, the Grand Hotel has hosted 26 presidents, foreign dignitaries, and royalty, including Prince Rainier and Prince Grace of Monaco and the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. Of Windsor. But this is where I was saying that it was used as a detention center for German and Japanese diplomats who were in the U.S. when war was declared during World War II. And then later in the war, it was commandeered by the U.S. Army to use as a hospital where 25,000 patients were treated. So when I said it was a penitentiary, um, it wasn't just that, I guess. It's a hotel, it's imprisoned people, and it's been kind of a hospital. You can also go skiing at Snowshoe, West Virginia. Um, Berkeley Springs is a, a popular attraction. There's a sign that says George Washington Bathtub. So it says the bathhouse at Berkeley Springs State Park in the center of Berkeley Springs first opened in 1930. But long before that, but long before that bathing in the warm and effervescent mineral waters was popular, George Washington was a regular visitor. And even earlier, the spring's restorative and therapeutic properties brought Native Americans here from far away as southern Canada. There's the New River, New River Gorge National River, which looks extremely pretty in the summer. You can go white water rafting at many of the rivers. Uh, Harper's Ferry. Harper's Ferry National Historic Park has museums, historical exhibits, and programs, plus about 20 miles of hiking trails. So again, lots of outdoor stuff. There's the one at West Virginia Penitentiary penitentiary. I don't know. I just said it differently than I've been saying it the whole episode. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, there's definitely more, there's like 19 listed on here, but, uh, those are the top 10 about. So there's a lot of things to do in West Virginia. Some States honestly look a little bit more boring than others, but West Virginia and all these ones on the East coast really have a lot to do. So um, that is all I have for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate you being here and I hope you learned a lot about West Virginia. If you are from there or have been or love to go or anything like that, go to my Instagram um, at a millennial learns and comment on what your favorite thing to do in West Virginia is because really these, these podcasts are helping me prep. If I ever go to the state, like when I went to Rhode Island, I already had a list of attractions prepped and ready to go that I wanted to go do. And it's very helpful if a local tells me the good things to go. So if I ever go to West Virginia, I'll be sure to do those things. So anyway, go to my Instagram, follow me, uh, DM me, whatever, and tell me your favorite thing to do, uh, in West Virginia. So thank you all for listening and I will see you next week. Bye everyone.